0: Hey, what's up guys? Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. Today I wanted to talk to you and tell you a little bit about Anchor. It is the podcast platform that we use here for FMBA Nation, and it is probably the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Secondly, there's tons of creation tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also help you with the distribution of your podcast so it can be heard on different types of platforms such as Spotify, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need to make a podcast and more all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to www.anchor.fm to get started. All right, this is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation. We're coming to you from the Serv Pro Studios here in Broadway, New Jersey. I apologize in advance. I'm a little under the weather, so the uh, the voice isn't going to be as uh, as normal today. But I've got a, a really great show today. Uh, We've got a really great guest uh, lined up for you who is um, – he, he's, he's been around the fire service for about 26 years. And when I say that um, leadership is – is is rudimentary to the fire service this guy is uh one of the best when it comes to uh talking about leadership teaching leadership and um you know just being a solid individual and that's uh deputy chief uh retired deputy chief frank viscuso from the carney fire department um he served more than 26 years there and he's the author of seven books including four of our industry's top bestsellers uh, his popular book, "Step Up and Lead," introduces people um, the traits and skills they need in order to lead effective teams. Step up and Lead has been referred to as the backbone of the fire service, and Chief Discuso travels throughout North America and Europe, providing leadership, team development, and customer service training to fire departments and businesses. Um, we were just talking for a little while before I introduced you here, chief and um, he's from Toms River, New Jersey, and he spends uh, a lot of his downtime coaching uh, little league baseball teams there. Chief, thanks for uh, joining me today. I truly appreciate um, you know what you do for our fire service, and uh, spending a couple minutes here talking about some really, uh, really hot topics and things that I think um, you know we need to really hone in on in the fire service as the older generation is leaving and the younger generation is coming in. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and some of your experiences.
1: Yeah, Bill. I mean, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm really thrilled to be here uh, as a member of the FMBA. Uh, you know, this is, is really special for me. And um, you know, you said something key right there, where you said, uh, you know, as, as the one generation's leaving in, and then another generation's coming in, and uh, that's that's exactly what's happening mm-hmm. uh, right now. I mean, we had at one point near the end of my career. Um, we had you know, about 40% of our department had less than a couple of years on the job. And we watched this this transition. And a lot of that had to do with people were leaving because some of the things that the governor was talking about were pension and benefit reform. Sure. Uh, people were running out before they felt they were ready or, or wanted to, but they were trying to preserve what they worked for. And as that's happening, um, we found out that a lot of our members that had six to 12 years on, now became senior members almost overnight. And, uh, man, that was a, a a great lesson for everybody on how it's very important that we develop leaders everywhere throughout organiz- our organization. And you said, tell me a little bit about your journey. Um, you know, for me, I'm a son of a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my dad served 30 years uh, on, a, on the Kearney Fire Department. My brother uh, was also a firefighter. Him and I were both... Uh, captains around the same time we were both deputy chiefs around the same time actually wow. and yeah so we worked together and my shift would you would come in and relieve his shift and i often joke that we would then go back to the fire scene and complete extinguishment for his guys <laughs> of course that's a joke um you know it's something that uh you know it, it's it's an interesting thing because my brother is one of those guys who wanted to be a firefighter and nothing else And I was one of those guys that I had no idea what I wanted to be, but I said, well, let me just try this. So we both kind of came from different uh, thought uh, processes when it came to this career because I have this side of me that's uh, you know, very creative. I thought I was going to end up somehow um, making art, making movies, something like that. I really Mm -hmm. thought somehow I was going to end up in that path, but I was an athlete in college. And my brother was getting ready to take the uh, firefighter entrance exam. And he was – I remember coming home from break. I was out in Charleston, West Virginia on a rowing scholarship. And I I came home from break. And he's training in the backyard in Carnegie, New Jersey with a weighted vest, uh, practicing, doing things. And I said, what are you doing? And he said he's taking a firefighter entrance exam. And later on that day, we were talking about the exam. And he's talking about it being an obstacle course. And I'm thinking, that sounds like a lot of fun. And he jokingly says, I would crush you on it. Hold on. What do you mean? you'd? I'm a college athlete, right? I'm thinking he's going to crush me on this. I'm up for that challenge. Yeah. And then I'm talking about it you know, over dinner, and, and my father said, well, why don't you take the exam? And this way you have something to fall back on. Um, and I'm thinking, you know what? I, I'll take it. I don't know if I would be interested in the job, but I'll take it. But next thing I knew, I took it, and they offered me the job, and I was still going to college. I had not completed my degree, but I figured, well, you know what? Let me take the job. I'll come back. I'll transfer to um, Jersey City State College, and yep. I'll just kind of complete it because I still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Now, here's right. the joke of it, Phil. <laughs> I am 51 years old. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up.
0: I was going to okay. say, let me, let me guess. You still don't know what you want to be when you grow up?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I remember somebody said they asked uh, one of the firefighters I worked with, asked a kid one time, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, a firefighter. He said, well, make up your mind, kid, because you can't do both. I said, well, you know what? It's uh, it's, a, it's an easy career to fall in love with. I'm very grateful and very thankful that my path brought me into the fire service. And eventually... Um, it led me to writing books, and that that's an interesting story in and of itself. Because I'm not an author who became a firefighter. I, you know, I typed my first book using two fingers. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and reading a book on how to write a book while I was writing my first
0: book. Right. Right. That sounds. I mean, that's uh, that sounds about right, and and just about everything yeah. that I do myself.
1: Yeah. Just figure it out, right? Just gotta figure it. Out. And by the way, that's that's I think life. Because you will have people tell you how to do things. You will have people give you advice. But at the bottom line, you have to figure it out. And I also feel that I think, you know, uh, I I just have, like there's this analogy of imagine you're sitting in a room and you're looking at four walls. There's one, you know, and, and no doors, just four walls. Mm-hmm. And if you can break through one of those walls, you can create the life that you want the problem is you don't know which one to break down yeah and you have a tool in your hand you could break through any one of them but you know i think what a lot of us tend to do is we kind of poke holes and poke holes and poke holes and peek in and say is this the one and at some point you just got to instinctually say this is the wall i'm gonna break this down i'm gonna go with it and guess what if you're wrong you got three more to choose from but some people just never kind of break through the wall and with writing That was a a form of me breaking through a wall. I said, I want to do this. I have no idea how to do this. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to give it a shot. And what it turned out to be for me was a form of therapy. Mm -hmm. It was a way to kind of reduce stress that was in my life. Um, It was very therapeutic. And then I felt that I was able to communicate a message that way. And it's just been something I've been doing ever since.
0: That's pretty remarkable. You know, um, a couple of things I just want to touch on that you talked about. One, interestingly, uh, we've got similar paths that we've uh, had kind of in our journey to the fire service. My father as well was a fireman for 30 years in the Union Fire Department, which is where I currently serve now. Um, I, I have a brother who took the fire test, but never uh, went that route. I, um, you know, I've been on the job now almost uh, nine years, which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's, uh, that's you know the younger generation uh, coming up in the fire service, and um, it, it's it's interesting to see those similar paths uh, kind of. And and one day I aspire to you know to become a company officer and to uh, kind of take the the route in which you know you're kind of taking here. Maybe not with writing books and everything because I'm not a good writer. But um, you know you talk about the the analogy with the um, the walls and the tools and it's interesting because not only do you not know which wall to break down, but, you know, there's a lot of us that, that don't know which tool to use either. You know, there's so many tools that we have. Maybe there's so many different things that we're good at doing and uh, you're not really sure which path you want to take. So it's it's interesting you bring that analogy into it and, um, you know, trying to expand on it a little further by thinking about, well, you know, you've got this great tool of being a leader. You've got a a tool of being a good firefighter. You're one tool is uh being a good writer and uh you know I'm sure personality all plays into that as well and you know it's it's uh which to which is the right tool to use for which wall and um it's it's interesting you bring that up. I, I find that very fascinating.
1: Yeah, well no thank you for that. And and a lot of times I think what we do is we tend to just dip our toe in the water and say, oh, yeah, I don't know, it's a little cold. Well just jump. You know I'm working right now on, on a, a keynote speech for FDIC, mm-hmm. which is you know if, if you're familiar with it, and it's yep. the largest fire conference in the country. Yep, that's a, a
0: that's a big. Uh, I mean, that's a big it's honor. Big, you know, it's a, a
1: big honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And as I'm writing this, I keep going back to the first year I taught at FDIC, the very first year um, I put a class together. I went down. I wasn't fully prepared, and it showed. And A couple of my reviews are real bad. And I remember thinking that, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, You know, kind of what a couple of these guys wrote. I mean, they weren't all bad, but these two were. Mm -hmm. But what they wrote uh, was kind of something that was making me feel like I I didn't belong up in front of that room. And I'm going back nine years ago now. Mm -hmm. And so... I remember, and that was a bad day. And I actually correction, that was a bad ten minutes that I dwelled on for the rest of the day. Right. You know. And next time you're having a bad day, ask yourself, am I having a bad day, or did I just have a bad ten minutes, and okay. I just can't shake it? Mm-hmm. And so later on, though, that night I, I'm actually re- pulled those reviews out and I started looking at them again. And I thought some of what they wrote was right. Like I was not fully prepared, but at the same time, I was also teaching something I shouldn't have been teaching. What I should have been teaching about was leadership, team development, customer service, things I'm passionate about, things that I think I know how to teach because I've I've succeeded and failed multiple times doing it. And I've learned enough of what to do and what not to do that I feel I have a voice in that arena. Mm -hmm. So I actually conceived the idea to write the book, Step Up and Lead. After getting bad reviews about another topic I was teaching. And here I am now, nine years later, keynoting at the same event uh, where I could have just said, I I I don't belong here. But instead, I just kind of found my way through that mud and said, all right, let me take this negative feedback and let me build on it. Because I got some positive feedback, too. But you know what's an interesting thing about us as human beings? We tend to dwell on the negative focus on the negative you can get you can get you can do nine things right do one thing wrong and get negative feedback on a thing you did wrong and that's the thing that we dwell on or that negative comment and part of what my message was with step up and lead and is to this day Mm -hmm. is if someone works under your command
0: Hey guys, Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about ServPro of Central Union County and Western Essex County. These guys are a trusted leader in the restoration industry. They provide 24-hour residential commercial services with highly trained restoration technicians. They're a locally owned and operated business, and they're dedicated to being faster to any size disaster with the training, equipment, and expertise to handle your restoration and cleaning needs. Some of the things that they cover are water damage restoration, fire damage restoration, mold remediation, storm damage restoration, cleaning services, and building services to name a few. These guys understand the stress and worry that comes with a fire or water damage and the disruption it causes to your life and home or business, and their goal is to help minimize the interruption to your life and quickly make it like it never even happened. Our friends over there, Carl Spinner and Bob Morrison. Carl has over 25 years of experience in the industry. Bob Morrison has over 35 years of service industry sales experience. So don't hesitate to give them a call. You can reach them at 908-233-7070.
1: And they do something wrong. Yes, you need to bring attention to it. But have you also brought attention to the nine things they did right? Right. Because we got a real bad habit in society in general, of criticizing, condemning, and complaining about things, but not praising and promoting and recognizing people for when they do good. And it's such a simple thing to do right. And most people don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: you you mentioned a, a number of different things, and a couple of things I've I've uh, taken some notes on, um, which which kind of leads me into my, my first, you know, one of my first questions for you is you know you talk about resiliency right and and your experience um in, in failing the first time and showing resiliency and, and sticking with it and coming back um you know to where you are now you talk about uh determination kind of goes hand in hand with that um you know obviously you have to have a bit of confidence to really to really a do this line of work stand up in front of large crowds and and talk about something you're passionate about, but you got to be confident in doing it. Um, you have to have knowledge of the subject matter, right? And yep. you have to have a vision for it. Um, in my opinion, I think some of these things are what um, you need to be a good leader. But it, give me, give me your, what your thoughts are. What, What is it that makes um, somebody a good leader? Is there something that makes somebody a good leader or are just people just good leaders? You know what I mean? is it something that we have to learn how to do or is it something that's just um just instilled in somebody
1: you know are leaders born or are they created and i say to that yes they're both and i think that you know some people just have natural leadership ability but a lot of it is how they've been brought up um but here's it here and 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 i want to expand on this because you mentioned that i coach little league and i want to expand on this i talked about that in one moment But I'll tell you what I think makes a great leader, obviously trust.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But I think grit and humility. Grit meaning I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this job done. I'm going to fight through this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to adapt. We're going to overcome. You know, we want the hardest job on the five round. We want it every time type of mentality. But also being humble enough to know that. You don't have it all figured out. You don't have all the answers. You have talent, skills, and ability of people around you. And you have to utilize that. And you have to know that there's always something you can learn. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about our leaders made or are they born or can I, this is the biggest reason why I love coaching baseball. First of all, I have three boys, all three played baseball. My two are still playing now, my two youngest. They're eight and ten, and I'm just going to share where my passion for coaching comes from. Um, the teams that I coach, it goes beyond just winning and losing a baseball game. Uh, I I I like to see them have success because I like to see them see their hard work pay off. That's obvious. So for that reason, of course, I like winning, but it's not about winning. It's about what they can learn, and. One of the things we do during our practices is we end each practice with a life lesson for these kids of something that can help them become a leader Mm -hmm. in life. So, And simple things like look people in the eyes when you're talking to them, shake hands with your teammates, when you say good game, mean it, Um, celebrate other people's success, lift them up when they fail. We talk to them about these things, and we start our practices off with warming up. Mm-hmm. And from the age of seven, after we warmed our kids up about maybe the first three practices, from that point forward, we no longer warm them up. They warm themselves up, and we start the practice by saying, who wants to be the leader today? And it used to be one or two hands go up, and now 12 hands go up every time. Why? Because we're training them to say, I want to be the leader. Wow. Um, it's just in life in general, I want to be the one to set the pace. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I'm capable of doing this. At the same time, we're trying to teach them grit on how to fight through things, but we're trying to teach them how to remain humble. And that's why I, you know, we had a, a game last year where our boys were winning seven to nothing in the final inning. Our pitcher was on fire. Seven to nothing. Everybody was hitting. Everybody was doing great. We get to the to the fifth inning. It's only a six-inning game. In the fifth inning, our pitcher reached a pitch count. We brought in another pitcher. He shut them down. The sixth inning, we bring that pitcher back in, and all of a sudden, he loses the strike zone. He just can't throw a strike. He walks three in a row. He hits a batter, and then he walks a fourth. So we got two runs come in. So now it's seven to two, bases loaded, no outs. So, of course, I pull him out, and I put in our closer. There's no way they're scoring five runs on this kid. People can't even hit. His pitch, but you know what? Every single kid on that team hit everything he threw. And they found the holes, and that team wound up beating us eight to seven. Wow. And then with a walk off, and our kids were devastated, yeah. you know. But that to me was such a beautiful life lesson. 100%. Right? Because it's like this right here, you know, we're on the receiving end of it, but you just learned that you're never out of the fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Never that team just learned a the lesson of a lifetime, but you learned one also, which is humility. yep maybe at some point you thought, "Oh, this team's not that good, and all of a sudden that team comes back and beats you. could you're happen back. and it could happen on the fire ground, right yep. you're never as good as you think you are, and you no. always have room to improve right, right, mm-hmm. Don't believe your own press uh you know i'm a, I'm in a very interesting position where even yesterday i I had received an email from a complete stranger, I don't even know where they're from. And it was from a wife saying, "Thank you for what you." That's how she started it. Thank you for what you've done for my husband. That was the first sentence. And she reads. Uh, she goes on to say how the work that I put out there has helped him build confidence, become a better leader, and be, and uh, be more passionate about life. And I thought, how special is that? And I I, I showed that to my wife, and she she just said, "You know, this is this is amazing." She said, it, "It's like people don't get letters like this, Frank." Mm-hmm. I said, "You know." I said, and she knows I get it all the time. I get letters and I get emails. and I get people call all the time. And at the same time, every time I get it, I remind myself, Frank, this is why you're doing it. Mm Because you're trying to build people up and don't ever, ever, ever think that you're something more than you are. Because the bottom line is I'm still trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. The only thing I know is I've stopped believing other people's opinions of me a long time ago, and some of these people are still trapped in a cage that's built with bars that are made out of other people's opinions of them. And you know, that's one of the messages I'm trying to share with people. Yeah, that that you know that what you just
0: talked about really hits home, uh, especially to me. I you know I got two younger boys myself. I got a four-year-old. And a two year old my four year old's actually starting T ball this year, um, which should awesome. be interesting. And uh I'm really excited. I want to get involved in the coaching aspect of it and um, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, hearing hearing just these little lessons which can be applied on so many levels at so many ages is um is something really special. I think uh, you know, it's a testament to the person you are and the the message that you're trying to get out. And um I really hope that, you know, the the people that listen to this um can really take a step back and think about it you know not just um how to apply it to their own lives on a daily basis and not just how to apply it to the fire service but you know maybe maybe apply it to other people's lives and share it and and try and um you know build that message out and and really um you know really do something special with with uh, with the messaging that you're putting out there and and the teachings and whatnot
1: yeah, and, and you know, well, I know a lot of people in our industry in the fire service are coaching youth sports and spending mm-hmm. time because we have a type of schedule where sometimes you can't be the manager of the team because you're you can't be there all the time, but you can be one of the assistant coaches. Take advantage of that, you know, yep. if you have young kids. Uh, yeah, it's it's the biggest and greatest joy I have in my life. This is the sport my kids chose. If they chose wrestling, I'd some, and that's that was the sport I did growing up, you know, I'd Mm. want to be involved in that. If they chose soccer, I'm very slow, but I'm from Colony, New Jersey, soccer town, USA. (laughs) I can figure out how to get involved. Yep. Just, just be there to help them. And, and I'm like anybody else. I mean, there's a time, and just speaking from a fire service standpoint, you know, there's a time when I, I wanted to reach a higher level of success And who doesn't? For myself, I wanted to get promoted, and I was studying, and I was putting the time in. But once I reached there, something happened where I said, "I want to help other people get here." Mm -hmm. I truly want to help other people get here, and that's the part of me that I that I'm the most happy with. Is that I know that some people are, you know, kind of are selfish. And, and they want you know they want it for themselves and they're not interested in helping other people get there. I like seeing other people succeed. Mm-hmm. I truly do. And and if there's some small part I can play in help them get there, it makes me feel like the time that I do get to spend on this earth at least I did something special with it.
0: Yeah, that's um that's a mindset that I wish, you know, that I that I, I like to think that a lot more people have. And um you know, that's something special you have there, Chief. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of people in, in the industry, in the fire service, often assume that in order to be a leader, they have to be a company officer. You know, um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I love that you asked this question. I absolutely love this. Here's the bottom line. Rank means nothing to the person who dials 911. Nothing. Mm -hmm. When you get called to the scene, you are a leader. You're a leader in your community. You are a leader whether you have something on your collar, a white shirt, a blue shirt. I don't care. None of that matters. So you do not have to be a leader as far as rank and position to be a leader in the eyes of the people around you. And the same thing goes in the fire station. As a deputy chief, one of the most valuable assets for me, Is that firefighter who thinks like an officer and acts like an officer? And usually those are the ones who become officers. Right. You know, because it's their actions, uh, not just their intentions, it's their actions that are determining that, hey, this person's ready for that position. And I've seen it over, and you've seen it over and over and over again. You know, the people that end up reaching those positions, you kind of saw them there before they actually got there um, by getting sworn in. They were there mentally, they were there. Uh, physically, the way that they were preparing, their mindset. And I love that. Um, you do not have to be an officer to be a leader, especially in this industry. As far as I'm concerned, as soon as you take that oath, you're stepping up right there and saying, I'm a leader. Some people don't realize it yet, though. But we also have a problem in in the industry in general to where in some organizations, here we go. We got these people that just got sworn in. They came into our organization, and we're, we we want to keep them down. Hey, you're new. Sit down. Shut up. Don't say anything unless I tell you to talk. Mentality. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, what are you doing? This is the person that may actually have to pull you out of a building today, today, because it can happen any day of the week. And and the Texas Mayday. Read that story. You know, where a good friend of mine, John Wright, as an officer, as a captain. Uh, almost lost his life, and a probationary firefighter who he was training helped save his life that day. Wow. You know? Yeah. And what so was how, how, the
0: name it, of that uh,
1: story again? Texas May Texas, day. Yeah, Texas May Day. Now, uh, that's the name of the story that John had written for a couple of publications. He used to have a website, John mm-hmm. Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a really, really, really great guy. Uh, I had the opportunity. I went out to to Texas. Uh, I think it was Flower Mound that he works for, and 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 I was uh, doing some teaching. I go out to the Dallas area all, all the time and teach in that area. And I was doing a, a three day officer development training with that organization. And John and I happened to go out and have, well, all of us, the whole uh, the uh, officers that were on duty that day, uh, we had all gone out. We had lunch and. I was sitting next to John and he starts telling, you know, somebody says, John, tell him your story. And he starts telling me the story. He actually shows me, and this story happened a couple of years prior to this talk. He shows me the mark on his hands from the firefighter that pulled him out on his arm uh, from the firefighter's hands that pulled him out. Wow. And, and because they're still there um, because of the heat that day and what had happened. And when he tells the story, It makes me think about the one time when a deputy chief and a good friend of mine had received an evaluation of one of the firefighters, brand new firefighters on their shift. And when he read the evaluation, it was not favorable at all. This is like uh, like a six-month evaluation. Mm -hmm. And he called in the officer that wrote it and says, are we talking about the same kid? Because this is not. What I see when I see him out training, he seems to be ambitious and energetic and enthusiastic. And you're saying here he doesn't do anything until you tell him to do it. And he says, well, it's true. And so they bring the kid in. They have the kid review his evaluation. And when he reviews it, when I say kid, I'm talking about 21 years old. But when he reviews it, the deputy says, do you think that that's an accurate representation of who you are? To which the firefighter says, no. He goes, well, let me ask you, are you the last one to get up and help out around the station or get up when it's time to go out and train like the officer said? And he says, yes. And the deputy says, why? He said, because on my first day at work, which was just a couple months ago, on my first day at work, the captain told me my job was to sit down, shut up, and don't do anything until he tells me to do it. Right? Yep. So he's following orders. Yep. Yep. And this is the problem. So here we are. Imagine you have, let's just say, let's be conservative in New Jersey today. Let's say only 10% of your organization has less than two years on the job. Chances are it's a lot more. But let's say only 10% has two years on the job. And I say it's a lot more, again, because of the reason why people are leaving. Um, What are you doing to develop them quicker? You know, you have to think of yourself like you're a college team. Say you're you're Rutgers Wrestling. What does Rutgers Wrestling do every single day? They wrestle. So if you're a fire department, what do you do every single day? Let's sit down, turn on the recliner, uh, uh, kick back in the recliner, turn on the TV and see what game's on. Are you training? And every day you come to work, you have to expect you're going to get a fire. And every fire you have to expect, you're going to have to make a rescue. Mm-hmm. And on the days you don't have fires and rescues, train for them. Yeah. That's what athletes do. It's what anybody does in any profession where they're successful. So that's what we need to do.
0: That's. I think that, that advice is invaluable. I think, you know, and, I, and to be honest with you, Chief, I think um, – you know, I can only I can only speak from my experience but but in talking with other, you know, younger firefighters around the, the state um and doing this, I think it's becoming somewhat of an epidemic in the fire service. And I think um that more and more, you know, young guys that are coming on the job um are lacking that veteran leadership, um, you know, mentors and whatnot. Because all the you know older guys like we talked about are, you know, are leaving or, or are gone for one reason or another, right. and uh, there's there's a big gap in between, you know, the 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 leaders uh, that have had you know the most years of experience and everything else, um, and and the guys that have very little time, and and that kind of leads me to my next you know point, um, which I'm going to change a little bit. Originally, I had something written down that that I wanted yeah. to ask you, but but I want to change it up a little bit, and that. You know what what kind of advice um would you give to a young or inexperienced firefighter i i don't want to s i don't want to subject it to just company officers originally i was, i wanted to find out what your thoughts were on yeah. you know what kind of advice to give to a company officer to be a good leader but you know the message here is that anyone can be a leader you don't have to be an officer you don't have to have a right. have to be a guy that has 10 years on, 15 years on, 20 years on to be a leader. You can have one year on or six months on and still be a leader. So what would your, you know, what would your advice be to somebody that may or may not um, already be taking the steps uh, to being a good leader and to setting an example and to, you know, trying to to spread this uh, mindset around the fire service? You know, I was
1: out in Seattle doing some training one time and I went in to use the restroom and there was a uh, there were three sinks and on top of each sink on the mirror there was a, a plaque a little plaque that was just above like your eye and head level and it said you are 100 percent responsible for this person's actions mm-hmm. so you're looking at yourself Yep. that's the first advice I want to give them mm-hmm. that you're responsible so take ownership. See the problem we have in today's society is there's a there's a bunch of problems. Everybody's looking for something to be outraged about. Everybody's looking to tell everybody they're an idiot for believing what they believe and thinking they're gonna convince people of their point of view, you know, but you know, we live in this this entitlement uh I guess time mm-hmm. where everybody gets a trophy, right? We talk about that a lot. The problem with the everybody gets a trophy concept is that the people that are complaining about it are the ones giving the trophies, and so number one, we this is why I like to, to, you know, one of the divisions that we belong to that our kids play baseball in, uh, there's only an award for first place. It even says that in the rules. Uh, You know, first place is the only, or or, I'm sorry, uh, there's only I can't even, only first place will receive awards. That's the wording. Mm -hmm. There is no award for second place. I like that. Yeah. Because it shows, hey, in life, somebody gets the promotion, somebody doesn't. Mm -hmm. So take ownership of that. Don't think you're entitled to anything. That's step number one. Step two is your training does not have to stop when your shift ends or when your officer says we're done. You know, we implemented this very informal, mentorship program and in the mentorship program i would take a firefighter assign him as a mentor to a new firefighter and with the intentions of just helping giving that person a little bit more than they're getting uh from just their general training meaning we're gonna we were training for three hours a day anyway but after we train and everybody's doing their things and the officer's doing his reports and some of the firefighters maybe you're making dinner whatever they're doing it was not unusual to see the person I assigned as the mentor to have a new firefighter out with a piece of equipment doing their own drill. And I loved seeing that. They're doing more than expected. And so that's one of the themes that I like to talk to young firefighters about. It's not just doing what's expected. It's doing more than expected. And that's something that if you start doing that, if you read a little bit more when you're off duty and pick up a fire engineer or firehouse magazine or a book like Step Up and Lead or something. Uh, you know, a, ter- a book by Turpak or Avillo, or I mean, we have we have great, great, great fire service leaders right in New Jersey, and you don't have to go far to see their videos to get their books. I mean, I, I've I've read everything that Turpak and Avillo have ever written, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and not just throw those two out, you know, it's just t- as a tip of the iceberg, but you know, but read their books, mm-hmm. attend conferences, educate yourself. And then bring some of this back to your organization because these people right now, I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to this podcast and you have four years on a job, you could be an officer within the next three or four years. It's your decision. It's going to be your decision. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to earn it. But there's an awful lot of people that are going to uh, have a complacent attitude that aren't going to train. When I took the deputy chiefs exam. Uh, I and I talked about this in my book not only did I study a very hard but but for more than 30 days in a row I gave myself the exact exam four scenarios, fire, non-fire, administrative, and and supervision. I gave myself the exam of four scenarios every single day for more than 30 days. I'd use different scenarios. Sometimes i create them. Sometimes I'd use ones that I've already done, whatever it was, because I'm training myself Mm -hmm. like an athlete would. So Mm -hmm. the day that I went in to actually give the exam, the only difference was the scenarios were slightly different, Mm -hmm. and there was a couple people listening to me. But it was so second nature that it just kind of flowed. And, but that also made me better prepared for the position as well, because I was already doing all these things, mm-hmm. you know, I was already kind of making the decisions that you have to make on a fire ground or when a deal, when you're dealing with supervision, because I'm already thinking that way. And, and a lot of that stuff, you know, I, I talked about in the book to help prepare people because you have to think of it this way. You're gonna have a scenario every single day in your career. It's gonna be a fire scenario. It's gonna be a scenario that'll happen inside the station when you're dealing with other people. conflict mm-hmm. yep. you're gonna to have to resolve conflict. Are you prepared to do it? and if not, educate yourself on how to do it because all the information's out there, but you gotta seek it yep
0: um you know you've, you've, I mean, you've been an, I want, I consider you an expert, honestly, in, in this field. Um, and you've got so many different uh, books out there and, and resources. If you talk, you talk all over the country, you've, you've got the keynote speech coming up in FDIC. Um, give us a little bit of information. How do how does somebody that's listening to you um, right here or has listened to you in other, other areas How do they go about one uh, contacting you, and if they're interested in um, reading any of the books that you've authored, what's the best way for them to get their hands on it?
1: Well, thank you for uh, for asking that. Um, But I'm pretty easy to find Uh, on social media. If you were to go to uh, Facebook, I have a a page, Step Up and Lead. Uh, It's about fifty-five thousand. Likes on the page, so you'll be able to find it. It, it pretty easily if you search. I communicate with a lot of people that way. Mm-hmm. Of course, on Twitter, it's just my name, Frank Viscuso. Same thing on Instagram. But also my website, which is either commonvalor.com or frankfiscuso.com. Mm-hmm. And that's V-I-S-C-U-S-O. And all my contact information can be found there and links to everything else that I do. And there's also one more uh, website that used to be very active, and we shut it down for a while, and we just reactivated it, and that's fireopsonline.com, just like it sounds, online.com, all one word. And that one has links to a lot of information that people can utilize if they are interested in advancing their career, and it's all free. You know there's no money being made off of that site uh it's just a a resource site of things that uh you know if they're interested in advancing their career or just educating themselves to be more prepared i think they'll find that site very very valuable and you can contact me through that as well gotcha that's really good info
0: um you know i wish uh i know know you're not you're not going to be around or available during our uh, february uh educational convention um We've got a lot of people that have already registered for uh classes. We're actually over uh last year we had hundred and eighty people registered for classes this year. I think we're already at two sixty awesome. and um yeah, and we still have a lot of time before oh well, I guess not a lot of time, but we still have a couple of weeks before uh convention. I think we have a lot of time, but we really don't um so you know i, I know we're not gonna uh, have you down there, but uh would really like you to have come back on the show again in the future, maybe we could talk about some other things. Um thank you for I would um, love to. Yeah, I I, you know, this uh this whole concept of FMBA Nation and the uh podcast is um you know something that's still in the infancy and uh we're still really trying to build on it. And I think um amongst other topics, I think leadership uh is something that really needs to be, you know, pounded into people's minds. Um because yeah. even even the best firefighter or the You know, the guy that that really has their head on on his shoulders or or a girl that really has a head on her shoulders um, from time to time can lose sight of that, can become complacent. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves, like you talked about, um, you know, humility, being humble and recognizing that we don't know everything and that we have room to grow and learn on a daily basis.
1: Um, Every day. And, you know, I I just want to say one more thing also, because you brought up that I won't be at FDIC. Um, I'd been asked to come down there and share some stuff. And I and I wanted to do it so bad, but I can't because I'm getting surgery. I have a torn tendon, uh, 90% torn in my elbow. Oh, uh, man. If, I, if I don't get this fixed. Well, see, your response right there was my response, right? Yeah. It was, it was you're kidding me when my doctor told me. Because at first I thought I just had a tennis elbow. And then I said to him, I said, I feel like, like, this obviously it could have been avoided and it kind of stinks I said but I feel like I, that I knew that I had an injury here I thought it was just something minor but I just kept throwing and hitting baseballs coaching three teams in the fall and three teams in the spring uh for a full year and I just kept damaging this more and more and more and I said to the doctor I feel like an idiot and he said to me I'm going to sell you something right now he says I perform this and many surgeries like this on people all the time. And the best reason I ever heard for someone needing surgery is because they were doing something they loved with their family. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, to me, that was like a a lesson on perspective. And I share that with you because I think that sometimes we sit here and we think, you know, things are, are bad for one reason or another, and sometimes if you look at it from a different perspective, you may say, well, you know what, it's actually not that bad, because when he said that, I realized, here's the thing. I mean, I was hitting fly balls to my boys uh, on the outfield, ending every practice, saying, just in case you're ever put in the outfield, because they both play mostly in field positions, but if their coach ever puts you out there on any one of the teams that you are on, you know, I want you to be prepared for this, because I don't manage every one of their teams. I, I coach most of them, but not all of them. So sure enough, my son Frankie is in uh, the semifinal game in in a uh, very competitive bracket, playing the number one team, and and this number one team already mercyed them. They beat them by like they, they mercyed them twice. They beat them by more than ten runs twice uh, in the regular season, and in this game, Frankie's team, my son's team, is winning by one run in the last inning, and they're in the field. And the other team's up, and there's two outs, and there's a runner on first and second, and the coach had put Frankie in center field. And this kid that comes up, all he's got to do is hit a ball into the outfield, get past an outfielder, and this team's going to have a walk-off. And he hits the ball right down to my son, Mm -hmm. and it looks like there's no way Frankie's going to be able to get this ball. And he runs up and makes this beautiful jump, fully stretched out, catches the ball, and everybody goes crazy and he runs around and I look at the smile on his face and I thought to myself I would take a surgery every year if uh-huh. it meant my kids can have a moment like that on or off the field I don't care because I know that we worked for that and I know that I had to pay a price for that but see sometimes if somebody that's listening to this podcast is going through a challenge in their life in their career or in their life, I want you to think. Well, maybe there's another side of this, because some of the biggest challenges I've ever been through in my life, there's been great rewards on the other end, and I, and I hope other people are going to have that same experience. I just want to share that. No, that's that's really uh, that's really
0: great stuff, Chief. I mean, uh, everything that we talked about today can be applied in so many different levels, and I'm glad that um, that we we're able to sit down and have this conversation because, me personally, I took a lot out of it myself. Um, I, you know, I can only uh, imagine and anticipate that there's going to be a boatload of other people that are going to feel the same way as I do, and uh, we really uh, appreciate what you do um, day in and day out, and and the the mindset that you have, and and you know hopefully that um, that can that that can spread, you know, and and really become infectious, and I'm I'm sure it, I, I mean obviously the proof's in the pudding it, it already has I mean you, you you've you've built yourself quite a career and, um, you know, we, re- we really appreciate it.
1: So, um, well, Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate what you do too. Please keep it up. This is a beautiful thing you guys are doing.
0: Well, thank you. And, uh, let's stay off, uh, stay off throwing those curveballs, and maybe get uh, a couple extra fungo bats. Right. And, uh, yeah,
1: not, not <laughs> until April.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, chief. Well, listen, thank you again for us uh, spending the time with me. Um, I, I appreciate it. We'll be reaching out to you in the near future to sit down and do this again. Um I'd love to make it out to FDIC this year. Um hoping I can make that happen between uh, work and family stuff. But uh if I if I don't get the chance, um, you know, enjoy yourself out there. Good luck. Um and um, you know, we'll we'll be talking to you again soon.
1: Thank you. You take care.
0: All right, Chief, you too. All right, guys, thanks for listening to another great episode of FMBA Nation, and stay tuned for some more great content to come. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also listen on the NJFMBA YouTube channel, as well as Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and the Google Play Store. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the FMBA Nation podcast, please email us at nation at njfmba.org.